Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Every year in the third week of Advent, we have one of my favorite gospel readings at Mass. It comes on the Tuesday of the third week of Advent, and it comes from the opening of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1. And I want to share with you today a little bit of why I love this passage and why I think it's especially so important in these final days of Advent as we're leading up to Christmas. But I want to bring you in on Matthew's mindset here. I want you to kind of put yourself in Matthew's shoes. Imagine being him writing this gospel. You know, this is traditionally believed to be the first of the gospels written. And so Matthew has a great responsibility to think about how is he going to begin the story of Jesus, the greatest story ever told? How does he strategically start off and and grab people's attention and make it really captivating so they can't put it down? And I, I want to share with you, this is what Matthew came up with. Are you ready? He says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah. Isn't that life changing? (laughs) Matthew, what were you thinking? I mean, of all the ways Matthew could have begun his gospel, why did he choose to begin with a genealogy, a long list of 42 names. Uh, I mean, how boring. <laughs> there's there's a New Testament scholar that says that reading a G- biblical genealogy is about as exciting as watching other people's holiday videos. You know, could we please stop? <laughs> so, you know, when we count, encounter a biblical genealogy, most people just skip over, you know, you just skip it over, right? But I would argue that this is very captivating, for a first century Jew. If you look at this genealogy with the eyes of a first century Jew, you are going to be amazed. I mean, you're going to, you would drop everything to continue reading this genealogy. Uh, I would argue if there were CNN in the first century world of Jesus, this would have been the top story, the headline story on, on CNN. If there were social media in the first century Jewish world, this would have been the number one thing trending. You know, as soon as you would hear about this genealogy again, you would drop everything to want to continue reading on. And I want to share with you today why. We're going to look at this with Jewish eyes. So welcome back to the All Things Catholic podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sri. And what I'm going to be doing is really sharing with you some insights from my brand new book. I mentioned this book a couple weeks ago. It's called God With Us encountering Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. And you may know that this new liturgical year is focused on the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be hearing a lot in the Sunday readings from Matthew's gospel. So if you're looking for a resource for this new year to kind of get the background of Matthew's gospel, help prepare your heart and mind for the readings you'll encounter at Mass, you may want to check this book out maybe to prepare your family for the Sunday readings. Or if you're in a small group, a Bible study, this could be a good resource uh, Again, it comes with reflection questions that can help you really enter into the story. So it's called God With Us. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. And you can certainly find it on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. But let's let's jump into this genealogy here. And I want you to see this not as a long list of 42 names. I want you to see that every name tells a story. Every name would bring to mind a certain period in Israel's history and the amazing things God was doing at that time. And there's one name that Matthew focuses on the most, and it's that name that I want us to focus on, and that's 
David. So who does Jesus, who is, who does Matthew connect with Jesus the most? It's going to be David in the genealogy. The very first name associated with Jesus is David. It says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And then you get to verse six in this genealogy and it tells us that Jesse is the father of David, the king. I want you to experience that name David the way a Jew in the first century would experience it. It's kind of like this. It'd be like if you said to me the name Michael Jordan, all of a sudden I, I would, my, my ears are peaked up. I'm, I'm totally listening. I'm totally engaged. Why? Because I, I'm from Chicago and I was a big Chicago Bulls basketball fan. And so in the 1990s, you know, if I hear about Michael Jordan now, I, I, I remember the 1990s when we won three championships in a row and then Michael Jordan retired for two years and played baseball, but then he came back to the Bulls and he won three more championships for the Bulls. So, wow, when I hear about Michael Jordan, I'm I, I'm excited. It reminds me of the glory days of Chicago Bulls basketball. I want you to know that a Jew in the first century, if they were to hear about David, their emotions would be would be similar to me with Michael Jordan. <laughs> but for something more important, you know, David was their great king. He was the one that brought Israel to its highest point. This would be the glory days of Israel. This is when Israel became a great dynasty. And they were led by their kings. They had a series of Davidic kings that were ruling over them. And and those kings protected the people from their enemies. And most of all, I think one of the things you'd be reminded of is how David was the one who dreamed up the idea of a temple. He wanted to build a house for the Lord, a place to worship God, a place for God to dwell among his people. And so David had the vision for it. His son Solomon carried that out and they had their temple and the holy presence of God was believed to dwell right in the Holy of Holies in the temple and over the Ark of the Covenant. So this is amazing. If you're a Jew in the first century, you think of David. Yes, he was our king, the founder of our kingdom. and, And he was the one that had the vision for the temple and God dwelling among us. This, this is an amazing time in the history of the people. So when you read about David in the genealogy in verse six, this would be like, you know, the most joyful moment in the genealogy so far. It reaches a great crescendo, like a great chorus. If it was a piece of music, it'd be like, joyful, joyful, we adore, you know, be that joyful song, you know. But as you read on, you start hitting some minor chords. You start reading about some of the the dark moments in Israel's history. Read about kings like Ahaz and Manasseh. These were kings that brought idolatry into the temple. And uh, Manasseh was the one that brought child sacrifice, child sacrifice right there in Jerusalem. So those are dark moments, dark minor chords in the song of the genealogy, if you will. But the darkest moment comes in verse 11, when you read about the exile, when the people were carried off to Babylon in slavery. This would be like, you know, dun, 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 dun. This is like really serious, really dark. Um, 586 BC was when Babylon was carried off and made slaves. This is when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. They, they destroyed the temple. They carried the people away from Israel and brought them all the way to Babylon. They even took the kings away. And, and, and from that moment on, there was never another Davidic king ruling on the throne. Even though the Israelites came back to their land, even though they came back and rebuilt their temple, it wasn't the same. 
They, they never had a king ruling over them again. They had one foreign nation after another ruling over them all the way up to the Romans in the first century. So yes, they dwelt in their land again, but they, they didn't possess the land. They, they didn't have their own kings ruling over them. They lost the kings at this moment. Uh, and they lost the temple. Yeah, they came back and rebuilt the temple, but it wasn't the same. God's presence wasn't dwelling in the temple the, the Ark of the Covenant was never put into the Holy of Holies. And so it was a sacred building, a place of worship, very important. But God was not dwelling in the temple for these 600 years, all the way up to the time of Christ. No king, no dwelling of God in the temple. This would be a very dark moment in Israel's history. I think of it like this. It'd be kind of like if, if you were to say to an elderly Jewish man, you know, that lived in, in Europe, say in Poland in the 1930s. And, and, and you were, you know, he's a little boy at the time. And you were to say to that Jewish man, do you remember the days of Adolf Hitler? That, that man isn't going to say, oh, you're talking about 1930s Europe. No, no, he is, it's going to be very personal for him, very emotional. You know, it'd be like, oh, I remember those days. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, that's when, you know, the, the, the Nazis took away my, my grandfather in Germany and, and, and we never saw him again. And, that's when my, my parents you know, put me on a train right before the invasion and, and they told me they would meet me in England and, and I never saw my parents again. Yeah, I remember the days of Adolf Hitler. You know, that's how a Jew would be reading verse 11 <laughs> when you read about the exile to Babylon, the deportation to Babylon. They're not just thinking, oh, you mean, you know, 586 BC? No, no. They're thinking that's when we lost everything. We lost our king. We lost the land. We, we lost God's presence dwelling among us. And for 600 years, we've been suffering under foreign oppression, one foreign empire after another ruling over us, oppressing us, and, and, and no king ruling over us, and God not dwelling with us in the temple like he used to. This would be a great minor chord in the genealogy. Um, a great sad moment. And, and the sad moment continues when you get to verse 12. It says that uh, one of the descendants of David is a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the last Davidic descendant we know about from the Old Testament scriptures. You know, uh, it, what, what happens after Zerubbabel, we're not sure. The Davidic line probably goes into hiding, you can imagine, right? I mean, if you're a Davidic son, you're probably not going around advertising that under foreign rule. You know, the foreign powers aren't going to like a, a potential son of David, you know, that might rise up and, you know, rebel with the people and, and try to become king. So if you're a Davidic heir, you're probably keeping that on the down low. And so in the Old Testament scriptures, we don't know what happens. There's no public record of the Davidic line, the line of the kings. But that, my friends, is what makes the end of this genealogy, verses 13 to 17, so exciting. Because all of a sudden, picture this, in verse 13, it says, And Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud, and Abiud was the father of Eliakim. These are the most exciting lines in the genealogy so far. Now, I, I bet you don't know much about Abiud and Eliakim, but here's the key. No one in the first century world knew about Eliakim and Abiyah, they, because these names were not recorded in scripture. The Davidic line, remember, went into hiding. It wasn't recorded, but for the first time we have here in Matthew's gospel, Matthew showing us the Davidic line continued and here's where it went. So if you're a Jew in the first century, you're reading this, Zerubbabel's the father of Abiud 
and Abiud's the father of Eliakim. Hey guys, come, come check it out. Look, the line continues. You'd be telling all your friends, come read with me. Let's see who's at the end of this genealogy. Maybe we'll find the anointed one, the promised king, a new son of David. You see, all the Jews knew that while the Davidic kingdom went into dormancy, there were prophets that told them, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and others, promised that one day there would be a new son of David who would come and he would restore the kingdom and, and, and he would he would and God's presence would come back and dwell among the people again. And so the Jews are longing for a new son of David to come, a new king. And here in this genealogy, it shows us the for the first time the new names. And it goes on. Azar is the father of Azek. Azek's the father of Achim. And it goes all the way down to a man named Jacob, who's the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus is born. And so we see at the end of this royal genealogy is Jesus. Jesus is the true son of David. Now, some of you may be wondering, but wait a second, Dr. Shreed, you know, the, the Davidic line goes through Joseph, but Jesus doesn't have Joseph's biological DNA. He doesn't have the bloodline of Joseph. So how could he be the great king? You know, he's he's from the Virgin Mary. Well, you know, one thing that's very possible is that Mary may be from the Davidic line as well. Uh, we don't know that 100% for sure, but that that's a possibility. Um, but even if Mary weren't, uh, the fact that Joseph adopts Jesus... You know, no Jew would blink an eye at this. If you, if Joseph adopts Jesus, Joseph names Jesus, which he does, uh, that that's a sign he's he's claiming Jesus as his own. Jesus is a true heir. Jesus will receive everything, the entire inheritance that Joseph has to offer. And what's the most important thing Joseph has to give Jesus? Is it? the carpentry shop? <laughs> no, it's it's his royal Davidic line, the Davidic the, the Davidic bloodline, the royal line, right? That's what he's giving to Jesus. Jesus is a true king uh, being adopted by Joseph. So what I want to conclude with is this. It's fascinating here. If you think about the two things that Israel lost in the exile, they lost the kingship and the kings, and they lost the temple, God's dwelling among them in the temple. It's fascinating that Matthew connects the dots for us, and he gives two titles to Jesus, two titles to show us that the kingdom is coming back. The king is here. It's the return of the king, and it's not just the return of the king. It's also the return of God's presence. God is coming to dwell among them again in the temple. So how do we see this? Well, first of all, uh, it says Jesus is the Christ. So, you know, when you hear the title, Jesus Christ, that's not Jesus's last name, you know, like Joseph Smith, Jesus Christ. No, no, it's not like that. Christ is a title, a royal title. In Greek, Christos is the translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. And so it's a, it's a title that's given to the, 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 to the king, the son of David, is the anointed one. And the hope that a new anointed one, a new Messiah would come, a new Christos would come. That's what the Jews had, that hope. And Jesus is clearly being identified. He is the king. We have our king back. We haven't had a king for 600 years, but now we do in Jesus. He is the Christ. But I also want you to enter into the longing of Israel 
for God to be with his people again. You know, they're, they're wondering, God, where are you? For six centuries, we've been under this oppression for six centuries. Your holy presence has not dwelt in the temple. The Ark of the Covenant never came back. Your glory cloud never filled the temple again. God, where are you? When will you be with your people again? Well, at the end of Matthew chapter one, there's a great title that is given to Jesus. It's a title that we sing about throughout this Advent season. We sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's what you find at the end of Matthew's gospel. It says that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That title of Jesus would really speak to the heart's of the people of Israel in the first century. The Jews are longing for God to be with the people again, to be with him, to dwell among them. And here's Jesus, this baby Jesus, isn't just God coming in the form of a cloud, coming to fill the Holy of Holies. No, he's taking on flesh in this child, Jesus Christ. God is with his people again and with him in the most powerful way ever. And his holy presence is going to bring about healings and conversions and miracles. And and this presence is going to be so powerful throughout his public ministry. But that's Jesus. He is the Christ, the King, and he is Emmanuel. He's God with us. God is with the people again. So do you see how this would be such an exciting genealogy? Do you ever expect uh, a family tree to to be so interesting? Well, there's so much in this genealogy, so much more we couldn't cover and so much in Matthew's gospel. But again, check out my new book, God With Us, Encountering Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Find it on Amazon. Go to my website, edwardsreed.com. You can always reach me there if you have any questions. And remember, I also want to hear from you all. You can reach me at info.edwardsreed@gmail.com. You can always reach me there as well as on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. May God bless you in these last few days of Advent.